tonight's topic is the catastrophic and the apocalyptic days of Lot. The catastrophic and the apocalyptic days of Lot. Believe it or not, our reading is going to be at the very end of the, the for the closing of the meeting and of the, uh, that which the Lord wants us to say tonight. Genesis 18, and let your eye run down to verse 23, please. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, if there be fifty righteous within the city, wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be found forty, forty found here, there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak peradventure, there shall be thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet thus. Speak yet, pardon me, I will speak, but this once, peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. Excuse my reading. I couldn't really work out one or two words with my eyes there. Let's pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to our hearts and have people prepared and ready for either your calling or your coming. We pray, Father, that you would move among us again today, this evening, tonight. Lord, even as this morning you you moved and you touched many hearts. We pray, Father, that you would touch hearts again tonight as we're in your presence. Father, we ask you that you would now settle this congregation in with thyself. And, and Lord, that you would speak to us, to our hearts, as you deem it fit to speak. And do what you seem right to do. For even in the words of Abraham, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for the time of praise we have had. And we thank you, Lord, you've given us health and strength to be here this evening. So we pray, glorify your Son. For Jesus' name's sake, I ask it. Amen. Amen. There are three different types of people in this scripture tonight. There are three different types of heart found in this scripture that we have read also, and that which is before it and after it. We're going to look at the story tonight. First of all, we'll see Abraham, the man of faith. And we'll see, as it were, representation of the church in faith at the coming of the Lord. Then secondly, we will, we will see Lot the man with the heart away from God and in the world at the coming of the Lord. 
And then thirdly, we will see the world in which we live in and the sinner on their heart at the coming of the Lord. Notice here in our reading, Abraham is, as it were, praying, pleading, interceding for the people who would be righteous. Notice righteous. But behind it all are the people who are full of sin. And he says, would you destroy the city? And he starts at 50 until we read right down into verse 32. Shall you destroy it for ten's sake? Now this tells me that where there is a a remnant of righteous men and women, I want to say it again, where there is a, a remnant of righteous men and women who in this world in which we live, in the days in which we look to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, where they are righteous in Christ, serving in faith as Abraham, and those who are backslidden and in the world, when you and I are taking our stand in such an ungodly environment, with all the things that are happening in our world today, and on every side and in every corner, we are finding that that which is evil is now deemed good, and that which is good is deemed evil, and light is put for darkness, and darkness is being put for light, we find in these days in which we expect the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ, when there's men and women who are righteous in Christ, serving Christ in faith, God may just stay back his wrath for a while longer until you and I reach them. Here Abraham is saying, but if we find 50, and then but if we find 10, and the Lord says, I will not destroy the place. In other words, everyone under wrath will be destroyed. And the Lord says, I will not destroy the place, meaning the people, if I find 10 righteous. This tells me today, church, this tells me today, brothers and sisters, that you and I must be working while it's day for the night's coming when no man can work. And this will come as a form of persecution in our land, a form of persecution to those who will want to live a godly life, a Christ-centered life and a Christ-filled life. And those who will witness and testify of the glories of Christ will live a persecuted life that it is coming in the world of darkness in which we live. So this tells me that you and I must be up and doing for the Lord. If you will, will you look at Genesis chapter 18? But I want you to look at two scenes, two scenes which sandwich, as it were, the, the, the reading which we have taken this evening. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 1, please. Notice what it says here. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, my Lord, if now I have found favor, and this word is, means grace. If grace has come to me, if I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as I have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. Notice what he says, it says in verse 7. And Abraham ran unto the herd, fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he dressed it. And hasted to dress it. Now here's what it looks like. 
Abraham is sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day at noon, about noontime, when it's so warm, like as you were to go on holidays, like your siesta time, when the shops would shut for the hottest part of the day. And Abraham, he has done the same in the tent door, in the shade, and three figures come, and we know that one of them is the Lord, with two other angelic figures with him. Notice here, he makes cakes, has it ordered up. He also sends a young man out into the field. How long did it take to walk out into the field, to take a calf, and to bring it back, and to kill it, and to skin it, and to gut it, and to prepare it, and to cook it. And there the Lord was sitting there all the time. What a blessing. What a blessing. Notice now the difference when we go to verse, chapter 19, pardon me, verse 1. The second scene. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn and I pray you into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed on them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread. And they did eat. Notice this, verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in unto thee this night? Bring them unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, Do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye unto them as good as in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for there came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and and he will needs be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to the door. But the men put forth their hand and put Lot into the house unto them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they were wearied. They wearied themselves to find the door. What a difference of a scene. We're going to look at Lot as well. And why did Lot press on them to come in? To the house. So notice, first of all, around probably 12 noon, Abraham in the light of day is at the tent door, sitting in the tent door, out of the city at Mamre, and the Lord is there, and Abraham is found in faith. Abraham is found in faith. Then, secondly, we find Lot who is in Sodom. What a contrast! What a contrast. And here we find when these angels of the Lord come and also the Lord leaves there to go after them. And so when he comes, we find here that, or when they come all together, we find that these two men arrive first and Lot presses on them, get off the street because of the place where they had come to, Sodom. Now we know that Sodom is known for its, if you want, its homosexuality. But it was known for a lot more than that. It was known for its heterosexual sin as well. All manner of sin, all manner of evil, even bestiality, we're told, would happen in this place. All sorts of incest. This place was a a cesspit of a city. And of course, sodomy and Sodom are synonymous in the words which we lean toward that of a homosexual lifestyle. And the Lord, he is about to send fire upon the city. The Lord is about to judge the city. And Lot is found like the backslider in the world. 
like the man or the woman who used to love the Lord and go on with him, he's found like the backslider among those in the world. And then the world itself are the men and women of Sodom. But notice this. In chapter 19 and in verse 1, it says, And there came two angels to Sodom. Look at the daytime at even, when it's getting dark. Dark. When he see, when the Lord comes to Abraham, it's daylight, it's noontime. And when, it, when they come to Lot, he's in the gate of Sodom. And that means he's sitting probably in city council. He could even be the mayor of Sodom. And there he's found there in the evening time. And he knows better. Backslider, you know better. If you're a real child of God and you've fallen into the world, you know better. It's in your heart because Lot knew better. For he says, I need to get these two angelic men off the street and into the house away from danger. For he knew in the darkness of the night, he knew the children of the dark and children of the night would want to have their sexual ways with them. Hence they come to Lot's door. Hence they come and they try to break in when even offered two, uh, two daughters. And that's another horrific thing. I'll look at that for a second in a moment. He offers his two daughters. I can't, rem- I can't imagine a father offering that. What does, a, what does a godly man want to offer his daughters up for? And here they refuse but want the men. So take note of this, brothers and sisters. Lot's in the dark. Lots in Sodom, lots in the worldliness and the sin of it. And Abraham's in the light. Abraham's at the door of the tent. Abraham's ready to serve. Where would you be? What condition would you be in should the Lord come right now? In what way will God find you should the Lord come nigh? Are you ready? The Lord coming to Abraham in the day shows a scene of intimacy. A scene of intimacy. Sit down and rest till I serve you, Lord. He's he's ready. He's prepared for this. He's amazed by it, but he's ready. It shows a scene of intimacy, and it's full of promise. Notice in chapter 18, he promises Sarah shall have a child. And we know there's laughter there. And there's two different types of laughter mentioned there, by the way. One is a laughter of, you must be joking. (laughs) Another's a laughter of joy. Anyway, we can't stay there tonight. But notice the Lord says unto Abraham as well that he gives him all of these promises that through Sarah that she would have many children. That is progenitory. And it's full of promise. And hence it is that at the coming of the Lord, the promises that we have of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And at the coming of the Lord, we enter into the fullness of the blessings of Christ. And this type is showing us what it may be like at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's full of intimacy and it's full of promise. And, but the scene in Genesis 19, it's full of darkness at even. It's full of, it's full of sin and depravity. It's full of danger. It's full of confusion. It's about confusion. All this is confusion. And we see all of this in our, in our day and age now. Confusion. Confusion from, from national level right down to confusion to human level, individual level. They don't know now whether they're boys or girls or girls or boys. Confusion all around us. Confusion when the government or are telling us the, what we should do and how we should live and the way we should go. And everybody's confused about it. But on the other scene, there's peace 
and there's intimacy and there's hope and there's promise and there's light there's no darkness in Genesis 19 and 2 notice we have Lot's request Lot's request and he said behold now my lords turn in I pray you into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. Lot's request is coming off the street. Lot knew fine rightly the city in which he was living in, the day and the hour that he was living in. Lot knew fine rightly the depravity that it was all around him. Lot knew the, the, the state of the man and, and the state of the woman the state of sexuality and the state of genderism and all of these things. It was all happening. All sorts of, of sin was happening. Bestiality. People with, with, with animals. And not you, if these men who were two angelic beings, that if these men stayed in the city then the men of Sodom would be pressing on them to have sexual relations with them. Did you ever think you'd hear it in the streets of Belfast when a car full of men can pull up and rape a man? Happened this week. It happened up the Shankle Road in Belfast at Woodville this week. A group of men pulled up and raped a man. That's where our land and our people and our nation is coming to. Sodom. In 19 and verse 3 we have Lot's alarm. And he pressed upon them greatly and they turned in unto him. The idea here is almost like a panic, a warning sign going off. Don't go any further. Please, please turn in unto me. Come into my house. No, we're going to stay out all night. We need to search out the city. We need to see what it's like before the Lord. He didn't need to search the city. The city came looking for them. And that's what happens, brothers and sisters. We don't need to search out because the wickedness comes looking for us now. Looking for the Christian, looking for the pastor, looking for the preacher, looking for the speaker to see what they will say wrong in order, of, in order to prosecute and persecute. But Lot is pressing them because, see, Lot knows better. You see, you know better out there. And he presses them to come into him. And they eventually yield to go in. What a difference is made. Notice, if you will, in Genesis 18 and 20, what it says of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. You know, it's not that they're making a few mistakes here. It's not that it's, well, it's a little bit faulty. It's very grievous before the Lord. How grievous were the days of Lot? How grievous is our day today? Lot knew the city of Sodom and its sin, the trouble of Sodom, especially at night in the dark. See, Jesus says men love darkness rather than light. Do you know why? Because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Lot, as it were, knew the temperature of the lust of Sodom, but
But Lot was to find out the temperature was about to get a lot hotter. Would you turn with me to Genesis 13, please? You want to look at Lot's degeneration, backsliding, as it were, into Sodom. Genesis 13, please. And if you will, verse 10. Lot's men and cattle, or herdsmen, pardon me, and Abraham's are at odds with each other. Remember, Abraham is Lot's uncle. And they're at odds one with another. And Abraham says, well, you pick. You take your look at, see where you want, and you pick, and you can have that, and I'll go the other way. Genesis 13 and verse 10, please. It says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt, as I comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. Abram, who becomes Abraham, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent. Take note, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Notice the wickedness that's pointed out of this place. Yet Lot, Lot, he chooses this way. He looks, he chooses, and he pitches his tent facing it. He plays with the idea of it. Plays with the worldliness of it. And notice this. What it says in verse 11, and Lot choose, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east and separated themselves one from another. I want you to look at this word separated for a moment, if you will. It's a word parad in the Hebrew text. Now, it's used uh, in Genesis chapter 2, I think it's about verse 10. It talks about the separation of the river. That's what it means. But this is the first word, or English word is used here uh, for this word, parad. When Abraham and, uh, and Lot separated. So Lot moved away from Abraham. And listen to what it says in Proverbs 18 and 1. Now notice, Lot's moving away from Abraham, from the man of faith, the man of the Hebrew race, the, uh, the progenitor of Israel. Notice, he's moving away from this. The man who's the friend of God, could he not find it in himself to, to work something out because of this man's faith? Because this man knew God? You see, whenever I uh, think of uh, the times I went to, the, uh, to my pastor's house, I knew this man knew God. And I used to just go into his house and he had got me a cup of tea and was sat in his living room and he and I would have sat and talked and some of the stuff, the, the riches that were pouring out of him about the Lord and the Word of God, I used to eat it up. I can still see Pastor McConnell sitting there in his T-shirt. In fact, sometimes he used to sit there in his bare belly. I'm not speaking out of school, he would have said that. She talked about the Lord. And there are people who just know the Lord. And it's advisable if they're in touch with God to stay close to them. Lot didn't think so, and he chose Sodom. Proverbs 18 and verse 1, notice what it says. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. I want to read it again. I want you to get the scripture, and I'm going to ex explain a little more about it in a moment. Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Listen to the words to, of David Guzik on this. I'll quote him. It means to cut oneself off from family, friends, 
and community is often to express a selfish desire. It shows an unwillingness to make small and sometimes large sacrifices to get along with each other. David Gozik, I thought, had it down to a T through to Zaraman, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. And he's saying, sometimes it's through our own desires, our own selfishness, especially if it's from a man or a person who knows the Lord, who loves the Lord, who can tell you and bring out riches of the Word of God. Where God is, where God's moving. And sometimes men, just even for the sake of pride, they can't help themselves. They can't swallow something that's little or large in order to be able to say, I need to know more because if you know God, then help me to know Him too. Help me to stay on the right track and on the right path and give me some advice. I'll tell you, some of the advice that Pastor McConnell gave me years ago And I said things to him about it that I didn't agree with him. And on his deathbed, I sat talking to him about it 20 or so years later. And he's almost dying. And I'm sitting and he's lying in his bed. And I said, I called me home, Bishop. And I said, Bishop, do you remember this? Well, I wasn't ready. You were right. He could have said in his deathbed, well, you see, all these years, son, do you see all this and all that? Do you know what he said to me? He took me with a feeble hand. He squeezed my hand and he tried to pull me. He had no strength. And I moved forward and he said, son, but you are now. And I said, I don't know, Bishop, I don't know, Pastor. He said, son, because you've seen it and know it, now you're ready. In some of the last moments of the hours, the days that I went visiting him, sitting with him in the house, but then up to those last ones were precious. And Lot separates himself off, and many believers separate themselves away through silly, stupid stuff. Lot, could you not have Realized your uncle is a friend of God. Is it own selfish desires that it's all about you? Some people are going to wake up one day and realize that the world doesn't revolve around them either. Listen to Morgan's commentary, what he said. He says, the protest of this verb is against the self-satisfaction which makes a man separate himself from the thoughts and opinions of others. Such a one finally rages against or quarrels with all sound wisdom. And here's what happens. Men and women separate themselves from godly company and they find their company. Either they get sick of their own company, they go into other company. And that other company may not be the same spiritual company as this was. And the advice that they were given, they start to hate the person for it. And what they had said, what this, the man and woman of the Spirit and the Word have said, they start to detest them for it. And they rage against them. And they start to slander them and backbite them. Morgan says, The protest of this verb is the self-satisfaction when a man separates himself. He says that finally you rage against and quarrel with all wisdom. Ah, see them. See him. You see her. Know where they find themselves isolated. And then isolation brings bitterness. And bitterness drives them to the world. To Sodom. And the sorrow. That's hard, isn't it? It's tough, that. It's tough. You see, Lot looked in verse 10. 
Lot chose in verse 11. And Lot separates himself in verse 11. And notice what it says in verse 12. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. You see the degradation of it, backsliding. Is it any wonder now we are finding that much of the church in 2020, 21, 22, 23, you know what it's done? It succumbed, it, it capitulated to the world. It capitulated to the world. No longer Christ the king in the head, but government. Government law outstrips the laws of God. And while we're all, oh well, not we, but many, not us, others, we're away hiding and shut up and closed for a long time. Do you know what happens? Do you know what happens? People start to die. Separated from godly fellowship, from spiritual maturity. And they either look for some food somewhere else or they point the finger. See you. Is it any wonder that the world has joined the church and the church has joined the world? And when we see this today, look, I wish I could show you the photographs that were sent to me this week of drag queens in the pulpit while the minister stands watching them preach. While we read now they're looking to change pedophilia to become minor attracted people. They're devils. They are devils. So Lot ends up, he pitches his tent towards Sodom and by the time we get to chapter 19 and verse 1, look at it for me, will you? And there came two angels to Sodom at even and Lot sat in the gate. Notice, Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Hence, Lot's alarm. Don't stay out here all night. He knew fine well. He was in the wrong place with the wrong people. Will you turn with me please to 2 Peter chapter 2. I get a bit perplexed with this, but it's the word of God and I suppose there may be a way around it, but I don't want to go there tonight, but I get a bit perplexed with this. And Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 6, please. Peter writes, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. Now, if Peter's writing this in his day, what does it say about ours? What does it say about ours? Now, verse 7, this is my perplexion. <laughs> Undelivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that, the, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with her unlawful deeds. Peter calls Lot righteous. But I have some questions, Peter, I want to ask you when I see you in glory. Notice, brothers and sisters, see the word condemned here. Turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and to ashes condemned, verse 6, condemned them. The word here condemned is the word klino, or pardon me, katachrino. 
And Kachem means, gives the idea of a pressing down. Like a dominance, a pressing down. And the second word that makes it clino means to separate, to put asunder, to pick out and to select, to be judged, to be summoned, to trial. That one's case may be examined and judgment passed. Gives the idea of a forensic case and study before the judgment. God done a forensic case on the city of Sodom. And the city of Gomorrah. God done a forensic case. Cataclino is the word. A forensic case on the men, the women, and all that was going on. Hence Abraham was saying, Lord, if there be 50 righteous, will you not destroy the place? Right down to if there be 10. Even 10. And the Lord says, if I find 10, I'll not destroy it. I wonder what Ulster will be like if the Lord tarries and spares us in a lot of years the way things are going. I wonder how many righteous the Lord would find in Ulster. I mean, men and women of faith, of the word, the spirit, the blood and the book. Notice here, cataclino, it means to do a forensic case and study and judge on it. It wasn't just, it's not a drop of a hat that the Lord is judging here. The Lord has been giving them time, giving them time, giving them time, time and time and time, and their cup is full. Their cup is full. Even with Abraham's pleading, the Lord knows who is in that city. And hence it says, and turning the cities of Solomon, Gomorrah, into ashes, condemn them with an overthrow. You see the word overthrow here? It's the word catastrophe. Catastrophe. And that's where we get our word catastrophic. This is why I've entitled this the catastrophic and apocalyptic days of Lot. Um, overthrow means catastrophic it means to turn over to get something and throw it over it's like the Lord in the temple remember says this place is meant to be a house of prayer you've turned it into a den of thieves and he turns over the tables and it's catastrophic in the place Christ was taking everything and throwing it over turning it over and kicking them out making whips to get them out Chaos came to the place when holiness entered into that temple. When the holiness of Christ comes, there's going to be a catastrophic time. When the holiness of Christ comes, a person of the Son, when he comes, it's going to be a catastrophic time. There will be those who are Inverted, I'll call it righteous. Backslidden Christians found in the world. There will be the ungodly living it up like Sodom and Gomorrah. But then there will be those sitting at the tent, as it were. Maybe even in this tent, I don't know. Like Abraham of faith. But where would he find you? In what condition will the Lord find you? The catastrophic overturn of Sodom and Gomorrah at the outpouring of God's wrath with fire and brimstone. Yes, the temperature got a lot hotter than the men of Sodom could do in their sin. In verse 7 of 2 Peter 2, it says, and deliver just Lot and Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. This is a, this is strange. This because vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. I thought about this. I thought, Lord, this man has separated from 
the man of faith and race, Abraham. He separated from the friend of God. He separated away. He, he, he lifted up his eyes. He looked. He chose. He went. He separated. He pitched his tent toward this. And now he's really in the gate. He's like the Lord Mayor. And he's righteous. And he's righteous. And I thought about this, and there's a, a lot more that I could look at, but the word vexed here is the word katapaneo, and it means to tire down, to toil, to exhaust, to labor, to exhaustion, to bring to exhaustion, to afflict and to oppress with evils. Uh, the the, the very lives of the people living in these two cities of Sodom and of Gomorrah, uh, they wore lot down. But if you ask me, according to Scripture, they didn't have a lot of worrying down to do by the time he got there. That's why, brothers and sisters, in times of testing, in the times of trial, in the times of temptation, it's imperative that you're in line with Christ, that you're close to Christ, that you're in the place of prayer, that you're in the place of reading His Word, you're in the place of fellowship, you're in the place of godly fellowship, you're there where the Word is preached and the Word is taught and where people are together with one heart and with one voice in unity, praising God in the Spirit. Because if you're not, when this time comes, when the troubles come and the trials come and the worrying times comes, when it all comes against you, you collapse. You end up just like them. You have no fight in you. You have no grit left. You have no strength to go on. You're weak and you're watery and you're down and there's no one to lift you up. But it all just tears you apart and brings you back to bits. Hence was Lot. And hence are many who leave the fold to go into the world of Sodom. So, I wrote this down. A couple of questions. Why did Lot stay there? Why did Lot stay in Sodom? Righteous Lot, Peter calls him. Just Lot. Righteous Lot. Vexed. Why did Lot stay there? Why are the ungodly stronger than the Spirit of God in some people? Why is the temptation of the flesh in these areas, you know, some of them get on with God and suddenly they're away into the world and they're worse than devils? Were they ever saved? I don't know. Were they ever saved? We talk about backsliding. I don't know if any of them ever front slid into the presence of Christ, under the blood of the Lamb. I don't know. But there are those who are there and they know in their heart that they shouldn't be there. They know they're wrong where they are. They're not right with God where they are. They know they're in Sodom. And they know that they're wrong. And there's Christians who toy with Sodom. You know what they do? There's many Christians in the right at the weekend. Giving it this and jumping up and down at the nightclubs. And they come into church on a Sunday morning, all holy with their pseudo. And you know better. And you know better. They know better. Lot knew better. Why did he stay there? Did he feel he couldn't come back to God after this? Did he feel the roads too hard after this? I don't know. Why do these people stay in the world? And I, I know people that have pastored for, and they were 
Solid. Solid in the faith. But you know what they done? They lift up their eyes one day and beheld something. And instead of saying, no, Abraham, I'm going this way. I'll go the other way, the furthest away from Sodom. You know what they done? They lift up their eyes and, yeah, I'll go that way. Sure, it'll do me no harm because, see, I'm not. I'm not. And all of a sudden, their tent, every day they pitch their tent and they're looking out their tent towards Sodom. And Sodom's doing this to them. You see, they start toying with the things, whether it's on television or video or on the computer or, or whether it's the mates doing this to come out, to the old friends. And, all. and you see, they do all of this and you're sitting looking at Sodom and you're in amongst it all. And then, you know, you're sitting in the gate of it. You're like the Lord Mayor running about it. Yeah, who cares? And that separation comes, see the church. Do you see him? Do you see her? That's why I... That's why I'm here. No, let me me just settle this once and for all. I can't save you. I can't keep you. I can encourage you. I can encourage you. But I can't save you. I can't keep you. You know what it means? It's not my fault if you go lost. You can't blame other people. Abraham could have, or Lot could have says, it was Abraham, my uncle, he told me his time was separated because of our herdsmen fighting. And so I ended up this way. No. Lot could have said, you know what it was? It was the world and all my workmates around me and I just couldn't do it, you know. Lot could have said, it was my family and all where I live and it's just the way it was. And no, 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 no. You see, we can all be discouraged, but see if you love Christ. You may leave church, you may leave an assembly, yes, of course, but you'll not leave him. To whom else would we go? Peter said, for thou hast the words of eternal life. Well, here's a question I wonder too. Did Lot recognize or at least come to an, an understanding of the identity of the two angel men came. At what point did he see them coming in the city gate? Did he see them walking up the street? Because I often wonder, Lot, why were you out at night? Why were you there, Lot? It's like the Lord said to Elijah hiding in the cave, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? I have to wonder, Lot, why are you here? If this place is so dangerous and depraved, then why are you not at home while all the bodies are out? Don't need to apply it, do you? Do I need to apply this? Why are you there when you should be at home in the right place if you know it's the wrong thing to do? I'm going to have to round this up to close. Hebrews 13 and 2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I wonder... Did the Hebrew writer think of Lot? And what did he know? Notice what it says in Second Peter 2 and 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with her unlawful deeds. In other words, it wore him out. The worldliness got the better of him until he succumbed. Take note, God came unexpectedly both to Abraham and to Lot. God came unexpectedly to Mamre and to Sodom. God came unexpectedly and found two different scenes. Abraham in faith, separated from the world of Sodom, living in faith, welcoming the Lord in. And having fellowship. 
the Lord came unexpectedly and found Lot in the world of sin. He found him in darkness of the evening and Lot in the light of the day. The Genesis account does not claim that Lot was a just man like Peter. In fact, it appears, pardon me, he appears simply as a man of the world. And here's what I mean. In Genesis 19 and 16, I have to go through these quickly because uh, time's gone. It says Lot lingered. Lot had to be dragged out of Sodom. He wasn't just called out. The Lord had to drag him out. Where was his heart? It says Lot lingered or Lot hesitated until the angels dragged him out because he had strayed far away from Abraham's God. And although hospitable in Genesis 19 and 1, although he was hospitable personally, he was weak and himself morally depraved as he offers the men of Sodom his own two virgin daughters in the place of the angelic visitors. Some of these things are hard to grasp, aren't they? Where is this man's heart? Where has it failed to? Lot is found drunk in Genesis 19, verse 33 to 35. And Lot has a sexual relationship with his two daughters while he's drunk. And out of it comes Moab and Ammon. Become, uh, they become enemies of Israel down through the years. Children of incest. Unallowed to enter into the congregation of the Lord because of it. This righteous man. Help me, Peter. Lot is found to have this ancestral relationship and they bear, his two daughters bear sons. And how can Peter call him just a righteous? And this is what I've wrote. Well, it's simply put down to this. Unmerited favor. Grace. I can't work it out. But Lot was off Abraham's seed, as it were, his, his brothers, his uncle. Does that count in the Old Testament? I can't work it out. This man, and this is the this is the depths that this man had sunk to. Listen to what it says in Second Timothy two and nineteen. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Even in the midst of it, he's went far from me, but he's mine. Second Peter 2 and 9 says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So I'm closing. We have our reasoning with God in Genesis 18 in our reading. Abraham asking from 50 down to 10 if the Lord would spare the place. But here's why I believe he stops at 10. Why did he not go to 5? You ever wonder? Why did he not go to 6 or 7 or 3? Here's why I believe he stopped at 10. Genesis 18 and 23 Will thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? Then 50, 45, 40, 30, 20 to 10. You ready? Abraham knew there were 10 of his own in the place. There was Lot and Mrs. Lot. There was their two sons. There was Lot, Mrs. Lot, the two sons and their two wives. And then there were two sons-in-laws and then the two daughters who were virgins. Ten. You read through the chapters and you'll find it. And Lot's going, I'm pleading for my family. Lord, I'm pleading for my loved ones in the world. 
I'm pleading for my nephew and his wife. I'm pleading for this, their sons and their daughters and the, their sons-in-law. I'm pleading, Lord, if there's ten, or if there's ten, if Lot has even been any way sort of righteous, if there's ten of them and he's led his family right, if there's ten of them, will you not destroy it? And the Lord says, if I find ten, I'll not destroy it. Well, here's the thing when you read this. Only four left with the angels. Lot, Mrs. Lot, and the two daughters. The rest didn't come. But only three made it because Lot's wife looked back and turned to a pillar of salt. Three out of ten. And then Lot becomes drunk and his two daughters lie with him and two sons are born and they are Ammon and Moab. Luke 17, this is my closing scripture. Thank you for listening. Verses 28, please, to 30. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Verse 29. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Would you say revealed? Would you say it loud? Okay. The word revealed is the word apocalypto. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. The apocalyptic days of Lot are upon us. The cataclysmic days are upon us. And the apocalyptic days of Lot are upon us. And the idea is when Christ returns, it's not going to be all this lovey-dovey. Oh, I want him to turn? Absolutely I do. But it's going to be a fearful sight. The skies will roll back like a scroll. And the solemn world... The city, as it were, the world system and all this stuff that's in our face everywhere we turn. Wokeness everywhere. Oh, don't get me started again. You're not at home tonight. I'm awake, not woke. And the wokeness everywhere, the all, it's rancid. It's rancid. It's godless. It's Christless. The churches are following, many of them are following after it. Just to, just to make it life easier for them. And to get people in. But what are you getting into the people? And Christ says, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. As it was in Lot's day. There's going to be a remnant of righteousness. Even those plucked, as it were, as a brand from the burning. There'll be those that the Lord will give a last opportunity to, a last chance to, come out of the world, come out of the lifestyle, come out of your sodomy, come out of it. The Lord will forgive you. The Lord will cleanse you. The Lord will wash you. The Lord will purify you. The Lord will put a garment of righteousness upon you. Come out of your addiction and your drunkenness. Come out of your drug alley. Come out of the worldliness. Come out of it. The last call's coming. It's like the angels. And the angels, they had to go. They had to put their hand upon Lot and say, Get out of the city. And they'd be saying, Get out. Get out. Come out. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. That's what's going to happen. Judgment will come upon a world that's turned into a floating mass of cesspit in space. But Abraham and those in faith at the coming of Christ will be standing way aloof. Listen, will not stand in judgment. The Lord will cover us all. Saved 
by the blood of the Lamb. Sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of promise. He'll never let us go. He'll never let us go. So, the catastrophic, the apocalyptic days of Lot. I'm sure there'll be a few who will be upset at me at that. Not in here, hopefully, but or usually. But I can tell you something, brothers and sisters. It's time, I keep saying it, it's time that the Christian church, the men and women of the blood-washed, blood-bought faith, took their stand and said enough and pressed on for the kingdom of God. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Let's run.